Happy New Year. Yeah, the year of our Lord 2023 has arrived. And uh, with it, for us as a church family, two very meaningful things that our leadership has for us are now upon us. And the first one uh, that I wanted to remind you of briefly and commend to you, the first one is our annual theme that we've called Accelerate. And in this theme, it's a goal-oriented theme this year. We want you to actually take ground in your walk with Christ in some area of your life, in some area of discipleship. And so our goal this year in, uh, to try to accomplish that is to encourage you to attend some sort of accelerator event this year, some sort of calendared event that has a kingdom motivation. We want everyone here to take a time out from your normal routine, your normal uh, regular scheduled events and go sign up for something and invest in something that has a beginning and an end. It's not something you do forever. Like so many things are in the Christian life. It's a one-time event that's intended to accelerate your life in the kingdom. And so we have a list of these are of, of events that we have brainstormed that we believe in and and we will keep this updated for now. It's, there's a hard copy on Small Group Central's desk, but we'll have it online and we will keep updating that all year long and nagging you about this. We really have this as a goal. All of our shepherds, all of our ministers have committed to going to one this year. And we want everyone in the body to seriously consider doing that. So we're looking forward to that. And the second one, Duel's already mentioned it, but I wanted to mention it again. And that is this special Sunday evening study that we're going to be doing for about two months in our third installment of Can We Talk About This? Where we will be talking about uh, women's role in the church. Now it shouldn't be, but if this is your first time hearing about that, I want to ask you to go back to our sermon on the website on November 20th and just click that. If you click that link, it will take you to the extended announcement from our elders on where this is coming from and why we're doing this. And so I really want to encourage you to, to be a part of that. It will begin at 5.30, one week from today. So I'm excited about that study, us doing that together. But I'm also excited about the unique opportunity of being together on Sunday evenings. It's kind of a throwback to how we used to roll. And so I'm very excited about that as well. And I hope you will plan on being a part of that. So as you know, the new year is always a time that's just, it's, it's kind of opportunistic, but to reflect. And the new year is often used as a catalyst for people to think about what they can do to improve their life over the course of the next year. We call those resolutions. Now I know tons of people, I am sometimes these people, giving up on resolutions, right? Because Breaking resolutions is almost precisely as common as making resolutions. And so we need something more than the flip, the superficial flipping of the calendar to motivate us to seriously consider making a change. And so we're sick of failing, so we've just given up on New Year's resolutions. I want to encourage you this year. I've made up a list of resolutions that I want you to consider just to give you that taste of success again. Okay, so I've got six, I brainstormed this week, six easy to accomplish resolutions for you to consider just so that you can feel some success. Okay, so just hear me out, hear me out. So resolution idea number one, make 2023 your year to start complaining more. 
just really start complaining. I mean, how hard is it to think about things that aren't going well in your life? I mean, for most of you can do this. Now, some of you, you are so practiced at not doing this. You have really, you see the good in everything. You let God redeem everything. You might need to work at this, okay? But trust me, I know this from experience and by talking to many people, the more you do it, the more you do it, okay? I'm serious. It just, it just takes a life of its own. And there's a little perk to this. If you do this well and around the right people, and you might just have to spread a wide net and do it all the time, you might find people that are easily manipulated that might do something for you. You know, if you complain about the right thing around the right person, they might feel bad for you and do it. So that's one. You could do it. Feel some success this year. Idea number two, gain some extra weight. Right? Like just consider gaining some extra weight. Make this the year you decide. Now, for some of you, you need to, I'm really talking about challenging yourself here. I can gain 10 pounds without even thinking. I'm thinking you need to set a bold goal, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, really work at it. You might even find that enjoyable. I think you can do it and feel some success. How about this one? More screen time. More screen time. This is so cool. I didn't even ask for this, but in my text and in my email, I get a measurement tool for this. It shows me exactly how much screen time I've used during the week. I didn't even ask for it. So it's easy, measurable. I can see that arc go up. You know, that's already in place without anything. So this could be difficult, especially at the holidays I've struggled. My kids are home, you know, like they really sometimes interrupt my screen time. You know, they want to play a game or talk. You know, I mean, so you might have to have a special room dedicated for this. For me, it's the bathroom, right? And, and, and if you, but anyway, I think you can succeed at this more screen time. How about this one? Take up drinking this year, right? Start Start the practice of consuming alcohol. This might be the year for you. And I know you might think this is an odd one, but hear me out again. There's some, if you research it, there's some medicinal properties to alcohol. And beyond that, beyond that, like it is like a cheat code for chilling out. This is very useful, both in social settings or alone. It's good for either way. In social settings, if you find, as a matter of fact, if you can find you a group of people that that's kind of your identity is based on going out and getting a drink, you don't have to be a good conversationalist at all. Everything's funny. Everything's fun. You know, if you've got some issues, just, just make this the centerpiece of your relationship. And, and on the chill out part, like it is like, like I said, it's a shortcut to really dealing with problems, Right. We all need relief from our problems, sometimes on a daily basis, sometimes annually. Alcohol is very useful at helping you just ah, relax. It's a cheat code to peace. Now, there's some dangers to this one. We are very well aware of that here. But I'm challenging you to be bold. Walk into the risk this year. Find some success. And if somebody, you know, like a Christian comes up to you and your friend loves you and says, I think you might have a problem. Don't worry about that. You'll deny it. It's like almost in eight. Everyone I know that has a problem with alcohol, they spend at least, sometimes years before they admit it's a problem. If it does become a problem, we're not praying for that. If it becomes a problem, we have a whole ministry for you here. Okay? So don't, so anyway, that, I think you could succeed at this. Number five is kind of like it. Take up smoking. Nicotine has like the same like benefits for chilling out that alcohol does. And it's, and plus you'd be helping an industry. This industry, tobacco, has got a bad rap 
over the last 20, 30 years, negative press, you know, about how unhealthy it is. But there's farmers, like in that industry, they depend on that taco, tobacco base for their income. I mean, you'd be helping that industry, helping farmers, and it grows. I mean, it's, it's really green. I think you'd, you'd really be, be able to succeed in this. Okay, last one, last idea. Buy something you can't afford this year. Okay, now this one, you might go... Preacher, that's not easy. You have it right there. I can't afford it. What are you talking about? No problem. Open a new credit card. You should be getting these in your mailbox all the time anyway. Just it gives you access to cash that you do not have. And so sign up for a new credit card and you can accomplish this. All right. Now, take a look at this list. Why are these not common resolutions at the new year? Why are the, why does this, matter of fact, if you go Google top 10 things to resolve for people, the precise opposite of these six would make that list. Why is it? You know why. It's because these are not wise moves. These are not wise moves. They're not healthy. They're not best practices. At best, they're unnecessary to life. At worst, if you look at them, they do the opposite. They steal life. So these never make the list of people's resolutions. And we want to be wise. That's, that's why these aren't on the list. The last five weeks, we've been doing a study building up to Christ, you know, Christmas. We've walked with the Magi from Matthew chapter 2. Asking, why are they called wise men? And I elevated five qualities that I think I found in them that we could emulate and be wise. So we've been, we've been talking about wisdom for the last five weeks, actually, to finish the year, but in kind of an indirect way. Today, I just want to kick off the year talking about wisdom a bit more directly. And from the mouth of Jesus, this is at the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. So just this question as we begin this year. According to Jesus, who is like the wise? Who is it that he, what does he describe the person who is like the wise? What makes up his description? Who is it that builds his life in a way that these proverbial rains can come down, these proverbial streams can rise, this proverbial wind can hit against our proverbial houses and it stand? Who is it? According to Jesus, there's two or three qualities necessary that I see here that I want to kick our year off with. First, you'll see in verse 24, he's the hearer, right? The wise is the hearer. This reminds me of a famous saying of Jesus. Y'all know what I'm about to say, right? He who has ears, let him hear. I always, when you really stop, I mean, it's common. It kind of rolls off Christian's mouth. Yeah, he who has ears, let him hear. We just read that. We don't take note of it. But when I stop and think about it, that's kind of a funny thing to say, like, what he's implying is there are, because I think that's a pretty broad audience. He who has ears, that's a, it's a very broad audience, okay? Even when Peter, 
you know, chopped off someone's ear. He put that back. He still had ears. And so what it means is there are people who have these ears that don't use them for their intended purpose. Or he wouldn't have to say this. He wouldn't have to appeal, appeal for people who, if you have ears, to let him hear. And there are people in our life, many, many people around us who are not hearers. They are done listening. In particular areas, especially, right? They have resolved that. They feel good about it. Maybe there's an emotional attachment to some conclusion, something, and they are right and they are not hearers. So particularly if there is a risk at being confronted by something we hear, what do we do? This is a common thing. We don't want to hear it. Have you ever thought about this posture? We don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Maybe you're reacting this way to our two agendas for this year, right? You hear me say, I want you to, we we as a leadership want you to really consider going on a, 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 some kind of retreat, you know, whether it's a, you know, a, a, a lectureship of one of our colleges, a men's retreat or a women's conference or a marriage intensive, just something that accelerates. And you hear that and you hear, you hear, I'm going to be nagging you about it every week, all year. And you're like, oh, I just, I don't want to hear it. Not looking forward to that. Maybe about this study. It's a, it's a subject matter that you feel resolved. You don't feel like you want to challenge that. Maybe you're emotionally attached to that, how we do that, how we believe about the women's role in the church. And you just, you're not coming on Sunday nights because you don't want to hear it. Listen, when you take that posture, that is not a statement of conviction. That is not a statement of, of principle. That is a confession. You are confessing, I don't want to be wise. Because I don't want to hear, according to Jesus. According to Jesus. So, Jesus adds that for us to be wise, that's an important source of what we should be listening to. Do you see it? Verse 24, it goes on, says, everyone who hears these words of mine, right? Words of mine. He is suggesting that you don't study just any old words, but his words, Jesus Christ's words. Now, I think, and I think everyone here would agree, the wise can hear anything and be unintimidating, even complete falsehood. Someone who's wise, who's discerning, you can be exposed to untruth and not be in jeopardy, okay? Because you're after truth. Our commitment is not to my truth. You've heard that? It's not to my truth, it's to the truth for the wise. And so the wise entertain things that challenge their thinking. The wise listen to things, but always, always, always measure it up against, even their own convictions, up against the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus. According to Jesus, that's who's like a wise man. Someone who hears, and someone who hears the words of Jesus as their source of truth. And there's one more thing that you have to do because that alone, those things are included in being like the wise. But there's one more thing that seals the deal for you. Still in verse 24, you have to apply it. Everyone who hears these words of mind and puts them into practice. Only he or she who hears the words of Jesus, and applies it, makes it their life, revolves their life around it, does things in line with it. That, according to Jesus, 
is the person who is wise. That, according to Jesus, is the one who builds a house where the rains can fall and, and the storm can come and the wind can blow and that house stands. So in short, the wise person, the one who's like the wise man, is the practicing Christ follower, not simply the proclaiming one, right? It's cheap. It's important. But it doesn't cost anything to say you're a Christian, right? That's not where we count the cost, just saying it. The cost comes in practicing it. And so I guess it's fair to ask, if he's going to ask, and we're asking this question, are you putting the words of Jesus into practice? That's the big question for you today as we move into this year. And so I guess it's fair, if he's going to say this, it's fair to ask, which words? Jesus, what words are you talking about? You said these words. What are you talking about? Now, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's a bad application to take this teaching and universalizing it to everything he has ever said in Scripture. I don't even think it's bad or unwise to use it as a reference for just reading the Bible in general and, and because it's inspired by the Holy Spirit. But it would be wrong not to, at a minimum, focus on the context of what he's saying right here and say these words. What words? He just finished the Sermon on the Mount. He just finished the sermon that articulates just as clearly and concisely as you will find anywhere in Scripture. He launches his ministry with these words. The Sermon on the Mount that explains the kingdom and the kingdom way of life. It's these words that he said if you don't if you hear them and put them into practice, you're wise. That would be enough, but he makes, he makes it in no uncertain terms. He says, if you only hear these words of mine and don't put them into practice, make no mistake, foolish. You're foolish. You're missing it. And so I went through these words again. I did. I went through them again carefully, slowly. Why? Because I want to be wise. I want to engage this life in the way that Christ wants me to engage it. Not just for him in his glory. I hope that's a motive of mine. But also because I want what he purchased. And that's the most abundant life. He tells us this. In this sermon, he tells us to pray that it be here on earth as it is in heaven. That means we can start experiencing the kingdom of heaven now. We can enter the kingdom of heaven now. And he's unlocking the way to do it. Do you want it? Then you're wise. Will you listen? Will you hear him? Then you're wise. Will you stop short of putting them into practice, conforming your life? Then you're foolish. You've got to finish that job. And so I went through them again. I won't go through everything here. Just a few points from the sermon. Matthew 5. He tells us to be humble. He says to be compassionate, to be self-controlled, to desire rightness with God above all else. He says to show mercy. He says to exhibit purity in my life. He says to be a peacemaker, to make peace. He says to willingly suffer for the good and true. Look, if I just study these, memorize them even, but I don't put them into practice. I'm not wise. I may not even be 
Christian. I may just be proclaiming it. I move on and it says, find the blessing in every circumstance. Be rid of any anger you carry. Be as responsible as you can. You can't be totally responsible, but be as responsible as you can for any anger that's carried by someone else against you. Handle difficulties with others relationally, not institutionally. Look, if I just study these, but I don't put them into practice, it's not costly, is it? But if I just study these and I don't put them into practice, I'm not wise. I may not even be Christian. I'm for sure not walking the Christ-like lifestyle. Just one more set. It says, do not indulge sex as recreation. It says, say yes or no and have, the char- have character enough to stick by it. It says, forgive and love everyone. Now, including up to and including your enemies. Because God does that. It says, do not value worldly treasure over true value. It says, be rid of any worry you carry. Look, if I just study these, if they're just great things to know, but not things I'm conforming my life to, then I'm not wise. I may not even be Christian. And one thing I'm not doing, because I look at, let's just take one. Do not worry about your life. First of all, if there's not a direct command in Scripture that proves you can't be good enough to get to heaven, it's this one, right? It is not about you performing in order to get to heaven. It is about you accessing something that you can't do without a real relationship with God and then it's open to you. Even his commands lead necessarily for you to follow them to relationship. That's what we're walking into. And that's what we want. Maybe 2023 is your year. Maybe 2023 is your year where you take ground, new ground in some area of your walk or your knowledge or your beliefs or your attitudes or your heart or your mission or your priorities and they change, they transform. Maybe this is your year where you accelerate your discipleship in some awesome area and get to enter the kingdom of heaven now. We're not talking about your forgiveness. You're forgiven. Washed by the blood of Christ. We're talking about you entering into the kingdom. Remember, when you hear kingdom, you should hear kingship. The kingship of Jesus. The rule and reign of God. That's the kingdom. Maybe 2023 is your year. Maybe it's your year to be wise. To not just call Jesus Lord, Lord, but to show him as Lord in some new surrendered area of your life and you actually change. I want to ask our elders and our ministers to move in the room as we finish up here. Just in Matthew 7, it's still in the Sermon on the Mount, he makes this clear. He says this, it sounds scary at first, but bear with me again. Matthew seven twenty one. Jesus says, he literally says, not everyone who proclaims it, you got to practice it, okay? He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, 
but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. This is not a threat, church. Okay? This is an invitation. This is an explanation. You do not get to experience the kingdom of heaven that's secure for you in heaven at your death. You do not get to experience the kingship of heaven now unless you conform your life. That's how you're experiencing it. That's how you get to have elements of that now in the midst of a world. I loved what Adrian said, that death is at work and life is at work. They're they're both happening. We choose life. We want to choose life in 2024. Many Christians have knowledge enough to call Jesus Lord, but some Christians don't have wisdom enough to enjoy heaven now because they are not surrendering their life and putting into practice what he says. Listen, that is the stable, firm, abundant, and worth it life that he gave to you. So I hope that's your resolution this year. And I hope you'll allow us to do it with you. And if we can help you in any way, in any part of this journey, that's what we stand here for. So let's stand and let's ask God to refine us with his fire this year.